You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. I'm talking today with singer Dwayne Washington. We were at Juilliard together, where he was in the opera program, and we did many outreach projects together. We haven't been in touch so much since graduation, so I'm very excited to have him on and to catch up and to hear where he's at right now as an artist. I hope you enjoy the 11th episode of The Compass. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. I appreciate you Thank you. Thank you for coming over. So what is the dark side to you and how do you feel like you keep yourself from going there? I, I think that the biggest thing, the, the darkest side, is um, there's always a thing in me that says I need to support someone else. Hmm. Um, and that could be financially, mentally, and so I'll put the brakes on me for a moment, um, which I've realized in this business, um, in order to get places, sometimes you have to be a bit cutthroat which hasn't hmm. always been me. Um, and so I would shy away and, for example, go back into retail uh-huh. because I could make a stable living. Um, yeah, that you're sure of, that yeah. you know you can I know that depend on. Yeah, I know there's going to be a paycheck every two weeks. I, mm-hmm. I know that there was opportunity for growth and it was based on paperwork, not on, um, not on necessarily um, who you knew or how you knew them or the last piece that you had done, but... A result turned right you know and do you feel like was that always because you had someone depending on you or because that was just your idea of like what you needed to do to be stable is to have enough for you and another person my idea of what it meant to be stable um you know I'm from Baltimore Maryland um Mm -hmm. it's always been me and my mom well it was always me my mom and my sister until she passed Mm -hmm. and so it was always me and my mom and it was always this idea in the back of my head consistently ticking anything that you do later in life, you need to make sure that you can reprovide for your mom. Yeah. Um, and so that's always been kind of a driving force into picking up a full-time job, per se. Or, as, for example, right now, I'm in a place in my life where it's like, no, I'm realizing that the only thing that's going to make my mom happy is to finally see me happy. Yeah. You know, just a different turn in life, you know, approaching 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, um, how... How important is happiness? Yeah. At this point, you know. Is that a is that a reality for you? Do you still need to support your mom wholly or is that 
more um, she's kind of found a way to support herself when you are in a different place where it's more like you need to take care of yourself and I'm in a different and place because I can't take care of her if I can't take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, I had done about when I when we graduated, I spent three years locked in a retail job in the States. And mm-hmm. this was going from assistant manager pulling 40 to 60 hours a week. So there were no auditions here in New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they moved me across to London and um full ride it was awesome i mean come on who gets to go to london yeah, without having to strange, pay for anything what a strange journey to have that come from a retail job you know so going over there and running into other things that then opened up opportunities back in the arts was also strange mm-hmm. but it, i need i guess i needed it i guess every, uh, most people say you everything happens in life for a reason um i think i needed that await that initial away time as a recuperation for me to become whole again as an artist. Yeah. Because so much had been stripped. What was your experience at Juilliard? Um, How did you feel when you graduated? Honestly? Yeah. Relieved. Yeah. I was so relieved to walk away from the building. And um, I I was in a place where I didn't want to go back. I actually, there's a lot of people that, like, I was really close with in college that it's... I, we are now are strained relationships because I just completely kind of let go of the maintenance mm-hmm. to those relationships. Because um, I just wasn't in a good I wasn't in a good place as an artist. Right. I was broken. Um, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, I mean, we all know the experience. We're pit we're pit against each other. You're thrown into the real world at 18 into the artistic real world at 18. Right. And we're pit against each other the entire time. Now I I can only speak from my experience in the voice program. Um, which, right, which I'm, sure I'm so is, curious about because it is different from the drama program. Completely but I'm different. I'm sure similar in a lot of ways too. You know, how um, many people were in your class? In my class, there were only we started off as a class of nine. Right. Yeah. Men and women. Men and women all together. That's so small. Uh huh. Um, and it's you know it's all individualized learning mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Of course, you have you have your group classes, but it's not to make you an ensemble member. It's not to make you. It's to make you a soloist. Right, which is different from drama. We focus so much on being an ensemble. Right. For better or for worse, I think that served us so well during school, but was actually kind of hard for me when we graduated because right. then we're suddenly on our own. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so invested in us being a group. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. And, and I guess like watching you guys, mm-hmm. I, I wanted that. I yeah. wanted that so much to feel like, um, you know, at the top of the year, we had auditions every year mm-hmm. at the top of the year. I don't know if a lot of people knew that the, every year we auditioned top of the year for casting that year. Um, it wasn't based on what the teachers knew that you could do or um, it, it wasn't based on... It, it was a mix of... It was kind of a mix of those things, actually. But mainly it was based on that audition. Really? If you came in at the beginning of the school year and you sounded like a hot mess... You was that a private audition or was it in front of the whole It was school? a private audition. Okay. Um, but it was you and the undergrad voice faculty or the graduate voice faculty, whatever you know degree you were working on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of was one of those things that's like, from the, from the word go... It's competitive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I left, I left the school broken, but looking back, being reflective... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a good that I think it was good that I left there broken, um, because I found a lot of things out about myself 
in the healing process. Um, just being able to, to say, you know what, it's okay that that didn't happen today because it's about development. Um, it's okay that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay that for me, it's okay that I didn't want to sing opera anymore. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, that became okay. I didn't become, I wasn't a failure because yeah. I went to Juilliard for opera and then decided to go down a more musical theater route. Um, yeah. yeah. That's so tricky because we define success in such limited terms. Oh, yes, completely. completely. For what you go to school for or what you imagined your career might be. And then if you end up pursuing something different, it's it's hard to realize that, oh, that's that's success too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy because, you know, you walked I walked through those doors at eighteen and I said, by this age I'm doing this, by mm-hmm. this age I'm doing this, by this age I'm doing this, and I've watched all those years go past me. Yeah, and at one point I would say, you know, I hadn't accomplished anything, but now looking at my life, you know, I've accomplished a lot. I've accomplished more than most people set out to do in thirty years. You know. No matter what that might be, I, I I take my I take what I had done in retail and being a general manager in a retail store and running, you know, a thousand plus associates at one given time, running a two million dollar, mm-hmm. you know, store a week store, I I take that with a with a sense of pride at this point because Good. it makes me a better person and it lets me know that I can pay attention to details and mm-hmm. I can achieve things that people put in front of me and not to shy away from them, not to shy away from a challenge, something yeah. that's different. That's so specific, uh-huh. but amazing that you were given that responsibility and you lived up to it and you did it not only here in New York, but overseas. Yeah. What was that like to move to London? It was amazing. It was awesome. Um, you know, I... Wait, did you just feel like you were working all the time or did you have time to like have a life? I felt like I was working all the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the hour restrictions changed. Um, because the store was um, off of Seville Road, so it uh, it had to be shut down and by a certain hour. Mm-hmm. So it was closing before most other stores. But if I wouldn't have gone there, if I wouldn't have been locked down, I wouldn't have felt the burning passion that I felt before I started college. Hmm. You know, the thing that drew me to being an artist, the thing that told me that I was different from other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of glad that I was locked in that perfume stricken box that they call you feel like it brought you back around to like what you really wanted yeah yeah like uh, it was it was like a slap in the face yeah it was like a hey um you're gonna be good at a lot of things in life but there are certain things that you're destined to do and no and and destined to do could be i mean there are some there's a group of men that sing over in Mm -hmm. central park um doo-wop group Uh uh-huh and I'm sure they would love somebody to come and sign them, but I'm sure every time they open up and they sing as a group that they feel accomplished, you know? And that might be their source of cash or income or happiness, but they're accomplishing something. And it's one thing to say, I got up and did, comparatively to I sat, by, I sat down and let it go past me, you know? So what changed when you were in London? What brought you back to pursuing singing? Realizing that I made people happier being happy. Hmm. Um, I think that's such a hard lesson to learn, but I think it's true for everyone. It is. It, it is, is hard because you think you need to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and actually, 
You need to make yourself happy. You need to make yourself happy. Other people will be happy being around you if you're a happy person. If you're a positive person, you know, positive begets po- positivity. Yeah. Um, I had a I had an associate, and it started when I was here, and they just said, every time that I would start a meeting, can you sing first? And these are people yeah. that don't know my background, don't, don't really know me, but they knew I sung. Okay. They and, knew something about it. Yeah. They okay. knew something about it. And every... Every time that I was in the States, um, I became a trainer, a recruiter, and everyone knew when I was giving a training session, because I sung at the beginning of it, I sung at the end of it, hmm. and it was always because people were, hey, would you do this? When I moved to London, again, it was happening before my meetings, and then this one day, one of, uh, one of the guys that was above me, one of the um, department man, not sorry, not department managers, one of the senior managers came to me and said, hey, the regional manager said, you can't sing before you open your meetings. What? And now this wasn't something that I was just doing. This was something that, like, I was in charge of making sure that the energy was there in the store. And every morning my models would say, can you just sing something? (laughs) I would start talking. They would tell me to shut up and sing. And so this was, you know, my avenue of getting them to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, 16, 17-year-olds. And to be on board. Yeah. Yeah. And to see that from the top, that, you know, just the, the concept of the way that I share joy hmm. would be shut down was really, a, like, kicking the ass to what say, What do you think that came hey. from? They just didn't, it was so strange to them that they were like, what is he doing? Uh, no, I, I think that with a lot of major companies, just like with us as artists, like, you want to live an artistic lifestyle. Um, and with major companies, they want you to live and be that brand, that image. Mm -hmm. And the company I was working for isn't necessarily like a go get a musical theater company. It's like a preppy, outdoorsy kind Mm -hmm. of company. I'm sure most people listening to this will will kind of peg on to (laughs) what company it is. Uh Um, But, you know, like they want people to dance in their stores. And Uh this used to be the culture of that company. But the disconnect was that, no, it has to be about the money first. It has to be about the money huh. first. and Even it, though you weren't taking away from that. I wasn't, but in their eyes, I wasn't focused on huh. that main driving factor, which was, I need you to be on the sales floor. I need you to be happy, smiling, dancing around, saying welcome to such and such. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I know other kids that went to Juilliard that worked at the stores, cashiers and things like mm-hmm. that. And they were able to separate because it was a part-time thing. Right. Yeah. But you had really invested in it. I had invested time because I was trying to escape something that I actually didn't want to escape from. Right. So you had your employees requesting this from you, and then when did it turn back to like, oh, this is really something I miss and something I want to pursue again? Um, I think it started to creep back in as it started to happen more. Uh Uh-huh. But what was also happening was... My bills were being paid on time. Mm. Um, I was Which able to do things. It's amazing. Having a reliable income. It's amazing. Wish we could all have that all the time. Right, completely. But just, it, just from performing, <laughs> but... It just doesn't happen. It, it, yeah. it doesn't happen for all of us that way at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you'll go six months to a year making really great money doing work. And then that next year, mm-hmm. the work that you're committed to and and are passionate about isn't coming so you personally decide to take on less right you know um but yeah my bills were being paid on time and everything was was great um and so at the same time my body was saying go sing go sing go sing 
my pockets and my mind were saying, be realistic, find right. some realism. Um, you know, I, th- there are a lot of parents that would say what we decided to do is unrealistic. Right. You know, then I would have probably agreed after college. Now, no, it's not <laughs> unrealistic. It's not unrealistic. Where there's a will, there's a way. So what made you come back from London? Or did you start looking back into singing while you were there? I started looking back. I got signed to an agency when I was in London. Oh, okay. What actually happened was um, I met a... I was singing in a bar and met someone there. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, you should uh, you should come and check out this, place, this uh, company called Opera Up Close. And they were doing a production of Bohem at the time at the Soho Theater. Um, so I was like, sure. So I went in. They had already cast the production, but then asked me to step in as the barman. The show and the production was done literally in a bar um, that was below a theater, mm-hmm. and it was I, it's so interesting. It won an Olivier for Perfect. best new opera production. Amazing. Um, that then led me to meeting a castmate, um, Victoria, who was a really sweet girl, and she was like, "Oh, I'm competing in a competition. I'm already in the final rounds, but they're having one more heat. You should go do it." <laughs> I said, okay, sure. Um, I went, like, this was like two days two days prior. I went, I called. They were like, sure, we have one more spot. You can get in. Went, sung, won my heat, and then took second place in the overall competition. But got to sing for, you know, got to sing for Belinda Lang. And I got to sing for Elaine Page and Joanne Benjamin. And then wow. Joanne Benjamin Management picked me up. That's great. So I got, it kind of flung me back in. Um, and then my right. visa expired. So you just were like, okay. Yeah, I, I said, okay. Back to New York. Back. To, whoa, I didn't even come back to the city. Really? I went back to Baltimore, um, which then made me want this even more. Right. So the only way I knew to get back to the city and be able to support myself was retail. retail. Right. Yeah. So I uh, started working because of the connections I had made in retail. Right. I got hired within a week of being home as a general manager for a new le- for a luxury leather um, leather mm-hmm. and fur company. Is that what you're doing now? Nope. Mm-mm. What are you doing now for a day job? I'm not. I'm just acting. <gasps> yes. I'm just acting at this That's point. That's amazing. You know, I used that as an opportunity to get me back to the city. They put me in a store in Maryland, flipped the store really quick, uh-huh. started making a bunch of money in Maryland. They gave me a store in Jersey, which then moved me out here. That's great. So I was there, and then I did rent in Brooklyn. And when I did rent in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I severed ties with retail. And I which said, I'm not going last back. year, yeah? Uh, or not even last year. Not, no, it was last Was it last year? It was either last year. This is from my Facebook stocking that I know this. It was 2014, yeah. Yeah, it was last, last year. year. Uh-huh. So I did it out in Brooklyn, and then, um, yeah, it was just like, yeah, there's no turning back at this point. There's just no turning back. If I'm going to do it, right. I'm still young, do it. So right now you're solely focusing Solely focusing. And performing. I am, I'm ble- but I'm blessed because my partner mm-hmm. is not about me giving up on this. Right. And he's in a different line of work, so he, can, he can kind of help support you both a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so that's beautiful. He's, he's been amazing, and if it, it I, I honestly say everyone finds that support that support system is, is available. Yeah, what is that like for you guys? What is what is it like to have someone who's a performer and someone who's not? He you said he's a teacher. Yeah, um, it's interesting, it, but it's interesting. How long have on, you been together? We've been together for two years now. Oh, okay, but, has it ever been an? Has it ever been a? 
issue for him to understand what you're dealing with or has it been pretty clear sailing? No, I, I think it's because he's so optimistic because he's coming into all of this very fresh. Hmm. Um, this is a man who had spent his entire life um, as a closeted man hmm. and had never experienced um, anything until we met. Wow. Um, so you're really starting a new chapter together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And it's nice to have somebody that honestly believes in what I have to, oh, what I have and what I have to offer, hmm. you know? Yeah. So those horrible days hit and you go home feeling deflated and defeated and there's somebody, you know, right there saying, oh my God. it's okay. It makes such a difference. It does. I lean on Frankie so hard for that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And, you know... And in both aspects, you know, Jason's thriving in what he's doing. Um, and just to have someone that still, no matter what is going on, will stop and say, you were great. Hmm. It's, it's lovely. It's a nice reinforcement, you know? So what are some of the, like, what are some concrete things that you use, like, day to day, if things, if you're feeling down or if you're feeling... Like you're being pulled towards the dark side. What are the like day-to-day things that you can do to make yourself come out of it? I sing, actually. (laughs) It's it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) I I sing. I have a few favorite songs in the repertoire that I'm sure people would say, okay, Dwayne, you need to find something else to sing. You just sing in your apartment? I just just go Hmm. for it. I just go for it. Um, Singing's always been a full-body sport for me. Hmm. Um, You know, from my toes all the way up. And it's... It's one of those things that it's just, when I'm really in there, I, I forget about everything else. Yeah. About everything else. That I would say that, when I'm in a dark place, take 10 minutes to recognize and say to myself, I'm in a dark place. Yeah. You know? I, I know this isn't reality. I know it's not reality. I know this isn't a day, an everyday thing. This is me being in my emotions because one or two things aren't clicking the way I'd, I'd like them to but they might not be clicking for a reason. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. You know, it's completely okay for things not to click right away or for things not to be clicking or for a month to go by and people are still telling you no. That's okay. Yeah. You know? It's hard, but it's okay. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard, but it is okay. Yeah. You know? So are you, are you mostly only doing musical theater auditions or are you still doing opera auditions as well? Um... Jason wants me to get back in the opera, into opera. <laughs> um, I told him, I said, me and opera have a sorted past, so uh, we'll deal with we'll that see. as we get there, you know? We'll see. Um, I've been mainly doing a lot of musical theater okay. and straight theater auditions. Um, I'm, just, I'm just curious about the difference between the types of auditions, but... Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because personally, when I, when I think about myself, I think about myself as like more of a legit musical theater, you know? Mm-hmm. So you'll, I do a lot more of the Rodgers and Hammerstein, the Stephen and Flat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but... Um, I've been getting, I keep getting seen for so much of this pop rock stuff hmm. that I've never thought that I would be singing. <laughs> never, never. You I know, mean, the that's only really pop rock right I, now. It, it is. That's yeah. the only thing people are listening to. But yeah. hey, you know, uh, you know, I, I, Rent was the only pop rock thing that I, in my mind that I wanted <laughs> oh, to do, I'm but so that's sorry, only because I, I wanted that. to play Collins. Yeah. But um, everything else. 
she's like, I just keep getting in. Like, I just did Saturday, like I was telling you, I just did Saturday Night Fever, uh, Saturday Night Fever call. Mm-hmm. And that's the, you know, you should be dancing, the Bee Gees. And it's like, <laughs> who sings this? I don't sing this. But I pull it out but my app. I pull it yeah. out, you know? So, um, I want to get in more plays. How does that feel as a singer? I don't, I don't know... I'm, it's such a different world for me. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a completely different universe or is it like, you know, I do Shakespeare and I do a John Patrick Shanley play and it's, you know. I, I'd say it's along those lines. Like we all I have training these, for all of it. Yeah. So. I have these skills and yeah. so I can do them. Um, some people, well, when I first tried, when I got out of college and I did that with air quotations, when I first tried, <laughs> <laughs> um, to audition when I got out of college, it was one of those things where this pop rock stuff that they were listening to but then was foreign. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in and I would sing something legitish, <laughs> hoping that they would say, oh, well, he could sing anything, you know? Right. And that just wasn't the case. But and their imagination isn't that big. You no. really have to show them what they yeah. want. You really have to be... That, you know, and that's another reason why not to beat up on yourself is because yeah. most of the time the cast directors and producers sit down and they know what they want. And it just is, that's what it is. And they can't be swayed. And mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to sway them if another producer is going to throw some more cash on the project. Yeah. It's difficult. So you take it with a grain of salt. It's mm-hmm. not you. It's them. <laughs> you know? Um, what's your mom's reaction been to you pursuing a life in the arts or like your family in general? But... My mom used to, when I was young, my mom used to tell me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I would sing in the house and she would scream. She was like, just be quiet, yeah, please. Just, just shut the hell up. <laughs> just stop it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, that flipped when I got to high, when I got into an arts high school, that flipped for her. And yeah. she became more supportive about it, but still said, make sure you have a backup plan. You need a uh-huh. backup plan. Right. Uh, college happened and she peed on herself. <laughs> and... Uh, did she get to come up and see you at Juilliard yeah. much? Yeah. yeah. Um, my mom came up to see me, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but she definitely made at least twice a year she tried to pop up. That's great. You know, amazing. which is great because I know yeah. some, I have some friends that whose parents could never come in town. Yeah, twice a year is pretty good. Um, you know, so my mom was, and she's, she's just so proud now. And I think she's more proud of the fact that I've decided to take my life into my hands and be happy. Good comparatively to um, try to impress her or try to live up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, I'm creating my own path. Um, my grand- my family, I don't know, my family, you know, I'm again, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so this arts thing is not really, you know, the thing as far right. as, you it's know. It's not a popular f- career path. Yeah, you know, as far as my family's concerned, half my family are nurses or electronics, Mm-hmm. I mean, electricians, electronics. Yeah, they're electronics, okay? <laughs> you know, um, they're electronics. <laughs> um, so, the electronics never moved far from home. You know, and they, <laughs> they just stay put and their gears keep moving. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I hope that, if anything, like, my younger cousins, my, you know, my younger cousins or my cousin's children mm-hmm. are, are, would look at me and say, hey, the world's bigger than Baltimore. Yeah. I think that's my biggest thing is I don't... That could also be why I went into retail is because I needed the younger ones to see that you can just get out. Like If you get out, there's more. Right. Because there's nothing in Baltimore. I hate to say that. Sorry, I love Baltimore, but there's, <laughs> there's nothing. Right, but even if you pursue the arts, there's you can find a way to support yourself solidly. You yeah. can still pursue it. You can, you can move, move away and 
have a world. Completely. And yeah. the world is bigger than... I, I think people also get stuck in the New York art scene. Yeah. That it has to be the New York art scene. It does, amazing. yeah. It does feel like you have to live in New York or L.A. if you're an actor or wherever. It, I don't know what singers consider it for them, but... But, yeah, same, it's, it's yeah. New York, L.A., New York, L.A., London, Paris. It's limiting. Depending on what, you know, depending on what genre of music you're in. Um... And there's a whole world. A whole Who knows world. how many cities you would lo- or towns you'd love to live in that you just don't know about. And so you, you don't could think be, about it. You could. It, there could be another city that you're supposed to be in yeah. that makes your career. Yeah, that you just don't let yourself even think about. Nope. Yeah, Frankie and I have talked about that. Mm-hmm. We want to move to Amsterdam right now. Oh, listen, <laughs> Amsterdam is gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, that, again, that's from living in the UK, like just being able to travel and see, oh, wait, there are things that exist. And if it doesn't exist, why can't I create it here? I mean, I, I love New York, but we're definitely at that point where we're like, all right, we've been here for 10 years. Where do we go? Let's evaluate. Let's evaluate what we really want, where we want to be. Yeah, I completely understand. But you've just recently come back. Right. Is it still like holding some fairy tale ness for you no no it's that's definitely faded um like i love new york i'll always love new york um but having to be in new york i have to be here right now because this is where work is Mm -hmm. but if that was to change tomorrow i'd completely completely look into other cities because it all it'll bring you back here yeah you know, the city's not going anywhere. It's not like where it's not like, you know, Manhattan's sinking tomorrow. Um, it's going to be here. So if Chicago calls or St. Louis calls, mm-hmm. why not? Why not check it out? You know, I have friends that are coming into the city now from being out in Milwaukee. Hmm. You know, Milwaukee Rep is a great theater. It is a good company. Yeah, if you get in with one of those regional theaters, you can really... You can have ma- a life there if you're one of the like ten actors they employ. Exactly. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> and, you know, it's 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 few and far between. Uh-huh. But you know, try. Yeah. You know, just because it's not on Broadway doesn't mean that you're not being a that you're not a successful actor. Mm-hmm. Doesn't actually, you know, Broadway means a lot. I'm not gonna say it doesn't mean anything. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> it means a lot, but at the same time, it doesn't. It doesn't val. It's not final validation. Yeah. You know. Do you have any? other artistic outlets that I might not know about or any surprise hobbies that I might not know about? I've gotten a lot into writing lately. Yeah? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Like, things that you don't need to have a whole company to do. Like, things you can do on your own. Yeah, like, um, with technology increasing and going crazy, uh, you know, there's so social media is ridiculous. <laughs> and the avenues to being an artist... Um, change every week, essentially, right. you know. You can put out your own material. Put out your own material. You can do it yourself. Most people, and I mean, and our cell phones essentially are becoming full-on recording technology, uh, full-on production quality, mm-hmm. you know, materials. So why not explore? Why not write some things and play around between you and a few friends and, you know, just have that experience of still sharing, you know, on different levels. So, so what kind of writing have you been doing? Um, I've recently started writing a um, 
what I'd like to turn into a web series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Public, based on public education. Uh-huh. Um, kind of office documentary, you know, documentary style. Um, but I've been kind of just doing that, and that's literally just to get me out of my head even more. Yeah. You know, kind of free me up from random thoughts. Um, and to piece together, I guess, some of the things that I'd never kind of like fully flushed out. It's a good way to hear myself again and to hear other things that have been echoed to me throughout the years and really process and make sense. Yeah. So that, and then I'd love, 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 I've been just mainly doing a bunch of research for it to start my own production company. Mm. You know, to really... For like film kind of stuff? Or like stage? Film and theater. Oh, okay. Um, Of course, there has to be one avenue that I can just focus on at first and then, (laughs) you know, you expand upon, but... But to really produce your own work. Yeah. I mean, there's a gap and there's a, a quite a few gaps. Yeah. And what we are seeing in media, on stage, their voices not being heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's story, like, there are just so many stories out there that need to be told that aren't being told. Um, because right now, the, the people that would tell the story that I'd like to tell don't have the money or backing to do so. Mm-hmm. So the same stories get reproduced yeah. over and over. Change the face up here, you know. Mm-hmm. But So are you looking into kind of like the fundraising side of it? Yeah. Because I feel like that's the biggest hurdle. Yeah. It is. It to is. To produce and, your own work. And it's not even, it, uh, like the platforms are there to fundraise, but now it's more about, well, how artistic am I? to fundraise Mm -hmm. because it has to be your fundraising your fundraising has to be 10 times what the actual piece is just to get people interested um you really have to push um to have people have to believe in it you have to make people believe in what you're pitching right and that's why i said that the stories that i would necessarily tell aren't being told there's a demographic that wants those story told that wants those same stories told Mm-hmm. And it's reaching out to them and really getting in with them so that we can tell them. There are people that aren't artistic but support the arts completely. And it's just how to get your hands in their pockets. I hate to say it, <laughs> but that's what it is. You know? Yeah, there are so many stories that are not being told. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. There are beautiful stories being told, but it's definitely weighted towards one part of the community. Yeah, completely. And and I would never. I have friends that have let that beat them. That was their determining factor to walk away yeah. from the business. And my pushback on that is, if that's your determining factor to walk away from the business, then how can you inspire change in it? Right. You know. Have you seen Hamilton yet? I have to answer that question on on here because I mean, if I me telling you is going to get me like shunned. No, if you haven't seen it yet, that's it's hard to see. I have not. But seen But I'm it just yet. I'm just saying, and I want to stop talking about it because every week we talk about it. <laughs> people wanting to see it or people seeing it, and I'm very lucky that I've gotten to see it uh, already. I I'm it. I'm just saying. I've set in I've, I've I set really, the lottery seven times. Okay, well, it's going to happen. It's going to. It's going to happen, and I really want to talk to you after you see it. Oh, my God. Because it's one of those things where it's like it really is a game changer as far as the types of stories that are being told and how they're told. and Who can tell them? Who can tell them? It might be a story about white men 
but it's been reclaimed in a different way and told in the most inventive way possible. So yeah. we'll have to have a sidebar. Oh, we will. When you see it, six months from now, Oh my God. you give me a call it and we'll, we'll so have a little... It so long, as long as <laughs> I it know, is. it's really hard. It's really hard. It's crazy. It's, but you there, know, like you said, like it really is like even it, as frustrating as it all is, like there are ways, if you really push yourself, there are ways for you to create a new avenue. Yes. And it's hard for me to imagine myself doing that. But as much as I complain about women's roles in theater like if i really pushed myself i could find a new avenue and that's uh-huh. what lin-manuel has done yeah that's exactly what he's done and he's yeah. done it and he 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 found the right people to believe in him yeah and it's actually funny because as far as far as like his backers when he first when he first hit the scene he had really one guy saying hey i'll put that money up right and it's not like you. he's come out of nowhere he had exactly. in the heights which was a huge hit <laughs> which was a huge hit which then and that's allowed and, and it's allowed him this. to have the time to create this other piece so but still even within even within the heights having his original backer behind it mm-hmm. it was still it was still a brand new concept that people weren't really playing right. with on broadway that's you know? what I mean. It's just like you really can. It's hard to imagine starting from scratch, but you really can, you can. break the mold. You can. And try something new. And, I, you know, things from, you know, when we were in school are consistently echoed in my head when when we wanted something done in school, i.e. an art reach, any of the art reach programs. Mm-hmm. When we wanted that stuff, we made it happen. Yeah, we did. We made it happen, and we made it happen as a collective. Again, yeah, one, it of, helps the, uh-huh, one of the reasons why I envied why I envied the, the, the theater department was because it was a collective. Mm-hmm. You had each other's shoulders to lean on. And I think if if we can find a way to slightly remove the angst and... Um, the ego. The ego from the business, so much more theater would get produced. Yeah. So much more would get produced because other people would then find a reason to be involved with pieces, to create pieces to fund pieces mm-hmm. because it was relevant to them and not just, hey, how many people can I get to come and watch this one actor again? Right, or it's not just about money. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, <laughs> completely, completely. And it's sad because there's so much out there. There's, there's so, so much, much we should be talking about and doing, and we just don't. And that's, that's the crazy thing is, like, that's something that Richard Feldman used to talk to us about at school is, like, is it dangerous to monetize art? Because it's once we decide to make it a career that a lot of the stress is, we put the stress on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So is it better to just pursue it for art's sake and to never acknowledge the fact that you want to make a living from it and have a different form of earning your living? But that's not the reality we live in. It's not. People do make a living from the arts, and we all want to be that person who can make their whole living from the arts. But it does make me think about that. It's like, oh, well, if we just didn't put that <laughs> yeah, if- pressure on ourselves, maybe we'd all be creating a myriad of things and uh-huh. it'd Completely. be a lot easier. For- it, it would definitely be one of those things where it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter so much. It just wouldn't matter so much. It would be... I, or the, e- the ego would be out of it because yeah, it's I'd be not doing as, it because... I don't need just, to feed my children from this. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have to pay a bill from this, uh, you yeah. know. I I feel like some of my I'm working on a reading right now that mm-hmm. um at first con I, when I first looked at the when I first got the script and everything I was in love with the idea that they were trying to achieve and now it's in its second phase of the well actually it's probably in its like third or fourth phase of the script um 
and um, it's just drawing more and more attention. Um, it's called Freedom Song, and it's two young writers that have a piece that they are determined to get seen. And I, I think that there's, I think there's a time and place for. It. I think there's completely a time and place for it right now. Um, you know, it is the perspective of. It's an interracial relationship during the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, and they're all, the offspring of an interracial couple, and how that all deals living in the same town still as the man that owned them. Hmm. You know, so the work deserves to be seen. It deserves to be seen. Um, and now it's just making other people believe that it's a story that deserves to be told. Yeah. Um, and from to... this perspective. And then I, I guess the thing that starts to happen is that um, younger actors that originally step into a piece might be shifted around in the piece because of... Then you start playing politics when right. people start becoming trying to get names to who comes f- in. help bring ticket sales, right. and and there are some amazing people that have just stepped into this, you know, um, into this piece. Mm-hmm. And I pray, and it's not even about me. If I, and I told them, I said, because I believe in the piece and I believe artistically in what you're trying to do. If this piece didn't involve me, I would still support it. Right. Even at this point, if they were to call me next week and say, "Hey, we have to bring a name on," bring it on because I believe that this is a story that needs to be told. Um, but again, it's removing the ego from it. It's right. being able to say, it's not just about me. It's about the work. And if more people, if there are more doors open to create more types of work. Then it can only bring good things for you down the line. Exactly. Oh, it's hard in the moment, though, uh-huh. if that were to happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> to say, okay, I stepped down. Yeah, exactly. You know, I Hopefully would... that won't be the case, but yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, I, you know, the, this is going to be the, the industry reading of it, so um, it's closed, but it, uh, yeah. I, I, think people will take inter- I think people will take interest in it, you know? I hope so. I pray. <laughs> is there a project that you've worked on since you came back t- from London that you're particularly proud of that you want to tell me about for whatever reason it doesn't have to be because it was the most high profile thing you've done but just something that personally you were really proud of um i've i have two for Mm -hmm. two different reasons because they were both lessons um and i'm proud because i was able to uh understand what was happening in the in the moment that it was Mm -hmm. happening um rent it uh-huh. was definitely one of them. Not a big, not a big house, um, but the story and the character was probably, I think, one of those first times where, like, you know, one of those times when you connect with a character on so many profound levels that aren't even written in the script. Yeah. Um, and just an iconic piece of, like, for me, that would be like me doing Angels in America. Yeah. Completely. Like, I was obsessed with Rent growing up. Completely. I had it completely memorized. And same, same with me. Like, if yeah. I was to do Angels in America, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that. That kind of, that kind of play. Yeah, completely. Reason, there's so much reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've cried before in shows, but um, I've never lost myself completely. And there was a few nights doing Rent, I would lose myself. And I would just lose myself in in the heartache and the love that it takes to let go of someone or to let go of a burden. Mm-hmm. And to um, tell that story. And to tell that story over and over again. Um, so that, you know, and every night I went in not trying to 
not trying to sing like Michael Elroy or, or, or anyone or, or trying to be Jesse L. Martin. No, but just to go in and be honest and coming from the background of being an opera singer, everything being so straight um, and still very much being involved, but it's more about the voice has to fully be there. And to allow myself to crack or to cry or notes not necessarily come out and then be nominated for an award with it. And then to be nominated against Noel was re- that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, it's another Juilliard guy. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, that's those great. things from that. And then... Yeah, such a different experience. Yeah, and then, and then humbling myself to step into an understudy role for politics. Hmm. And stop stepping back and saying that there's more to what's going on has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I understudied in um, in ragtime out of state. Oh, okay. Um, yes. And I feel like that's the last time we ran into each other. Yes. Was at the audition studios when uh-huh. we were auditioning for that. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, we were talking about the national tour. That's when I ran into you. I was in for final calls for yeah. the national tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, this was a production I had just done right before those auditions. Okay. And, um, I, you know, I understudied. And I had to... It's Understudying is an interesting place to be in. It's hard. You know, because you want to do it. You know, everything in you wants to do it. And the type of person that I am, I was off book when we started rehearsal. Right. And it didn't matter. <laughs> You know, and then ha- and then telling myself, yeah, the whole, with understanding, it's the whole time. It's like you have to be ready, and you get no recognition for it. You get absolutely you none. Get, it's very strange, and it's it's very humbling. Yes, it's a very humbling experience. Yes, because I know a lot of people that start understudy that start their first understudy and then quit. So you said for politics, was that what was the reason you did? Oh, it? well, I'm going away to mm-hmm. London and coming back has put this huge gap in me earning points towards being an equity member. Right, right, right. Um, okay. And so by me being non-equity, again, we're back at the, let's put a name in. Right. Which, I, I mean, if it was my theater, I hate to say it, I'd probably, if you have right. to fill seats, you'd probably do the same thing, you know? But now you're trying to deal with, like, getting over that hump of being yeah. an equity actor. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, you know, I'm kind of in one of those places where it's like, well, be humbled because... You did get to get, you you had the chance to understudy no matter what it's only it's on your resume and it could have moved you that much closer to what you want. Well, now this theater calls me all the time to work for them. That's great. Um, and so, but it took me to step back and say, "Hey, it's okay. This wasn't your time. This wasn't your time for this. It will come back around. Mm. You know." Oh, I would love to see you in that show. Uh, <laughs> Cole House is one of those roles uh, that I I've only ever seen it I think it came through it the tour traveled through Detroit when I was in high school uh, we saw it in Detroit it's but that was years ago <laughs> it will it will rip you apart the show will rip yeah, you apart and I'd put love you to back see together it now. Uh, I, it's just one of those roles that like I'll play him I'm not worried yeah. about that he'll come he right. will I will play him but hmm. I wanted to play him. Did you get to go on at all? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Not once. Not once. Yep. I had a small feature in the ensemble. Um, mm-hmm. But. That's tough. It was okay. Well, it, yeah, it was tough. 
but it you got through tough. it and it was okay which I is, got through you're it. right it's a triumph oh trust me I had, I had those days where like I would sit in rehearsal and I'm just like let me sing just let me <laughs> sing that damn role right of course and it wouldn't happen but and you never get that like cathartic release. experience nope you never get the release it just sits there it just sits in your chest yeah you know it's a strange thing do you have any recommendations of sh- shows you've seen in the last couple of months? The uh, friends shows or big shows you've seen? Um, I apologize no, for no, whatever no, that I wanna, beeping I w- is outside. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to. I'm trying to remember. Remember the exact name? Cool Kids. Okay. Um, it was being workshopped. Um, and it was the story. Of the fir- of the first integrated school, where uh, was that at? Do you remember? Oh it's okay if you don't. Was it a musical or just a straight play? Musical, uh huh. Really great stuff. Yeah, it sounds really, interesting. Really great stuff. I actually just got to do a reading on cool um, kids. on Monday, that is really promising. I'm not actually in it. They just needed someone to step in, because mm-hmm. um, they were doing a, per- a producer read through called Question One. Hmm. Um, it's about a closeted senator. Uh huh. During proposition, during yeah. Oh. During proposition one, the uh, or proposition eight in yeah, California. Proposition eight, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's the it's based on a very topical. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, mm. it was it's written so well. It's so. Um, I wish I could be a part of it. <laughs> I wish they like if well, I, I told them after after I did the reading. Ugh. I said, if you need me, you call me. Yeah. Um, it's such a strange the next year and a half with the whole political. Uh huh field yeah i think i and i think that there's something I th- again i think that let's talk about it let's make more let's make more let's let's hear different mm-hmm. opinions let's see different views it's okay i think if we expose ourselves to more things then people will stop real people more people will realize that um it's okay to disagree yeah i think we're in a place right now where people feel like they can't disagree you don't you don't have to agree but you can be respectful yeah, and if we open up these dialogues from different perspectives and more point of view, more points of view, I think people will start to realize that, you know. So I feel like that's you know there was a whole wave of news stories in the last six months about there was some university that assigned the graphic novel of Fun Home as the like freshman reading. Really, and a lot of schools. I remember. University of Evansville did that when I was a freshman. Like, they assign you a book during the summer that you read, and then, like, during the orientation week, all the freshmen talk about it. That's, Uh. like, part of the seminar class. And for us, it was, like, into the wild, and we talked about this book all about, like, surviving in the forest or whatever. But some school had assigned the graphic novel Fun Home, which the musical is based on, Uh which is about this girl realizing she's a lesbian and that her father is gay as well and and there was all these news stories about this freshman boy saying that he was refusing to read it on principle because it was against his beliefs like the lesbianism in it and there was just so many news stories about like (laughs) I don't remember what the school was but about the whole point of going to a liberal arts college being that you question your beliefs Mm -hmm. that you analyze ideas and decide 
reasonable arguments for and against yeah. and you you know you really debate things and like learn how to analyze things and not just I mean the reading really was suggested and it was fine that he didn't want to read it but he, it was this huge like he media just... stink about it um it was like why go to why go to a college if you're not ready to be open-minded completely and Completely. I feel like so much of the culture right now is stuck in that place of like not even wanting to be open-minded. To even and, can, let the idea in. Let the idea in. And you then do reject not have it. To, yeah, you don't have to agree with it. But yeah. you can't. It's like saying, I don't like tuna and have never tasted tuna in your life. Right. Or, you know, if you don't have to agree with it. At least look at it and yeah. learn about it. And then if you, if you still come out the other side saying, I still don't agree with it, then great. There you go. Good you for can you. walk away from it at that point completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're just we're being stunt. We're we're stunted. I think it's I think it's the clash of, I think it's the clash of uh, Generation X. I think it's like the clash of Generation X and social media. Hmm. You know, that's what I, I think. That's essentially what's happening. It's like old old school of thought and social media are trying to run side by side, but have never spoken to each other before. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's just the, yeah, the, the social media really lets people like stay in their own frame of mind. Like uh, they don't have to go outside their own point of view if uh, they don't want to uh, just stick to it. Yep. And that's it. I mean, because uh, it's, uh, it's called blocking, you yeah. know, somebody pops up that you don't like what they have to say. You can just block them and you never have to acknowledge yeah. them. You never have you to just go on the news site that only gives your point of view. Yep. And that's really what art does at its best is like bring things in front of your face that you don't even know you were questioning or that you were thinking about. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And that's because there there aren't, the boundaries aren't there. I mean, you, of course you have your restrictions when you're writing, if you want to be, you know, very specific about it, but the boundaries aren't there. Like it's, you're allowed to explore. And I think that uh, being an artist, I think that's why just bringing it back around. So I became an artist. I wanted to explore. Yeah. I wanted to find out more about me and how much I actually affect people and people are affected by me, you know. How to use that in society. Completely. Dwayne, thank you so much for talking with me. Anytime. I love seeing your face. I really appreciate it. listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.